sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. But when I stop and see you here, I remember who all this was for. Kevin, I just want to let this music ride out. I know. number two of the early line right here. Let's go, Almo. It is a football Friday here on the early line. And if you don't know by now, Dane Martinez and Kevin Walsh, we put the fun in functional sports content. Thanks for joining us every weekday morning, 7 to 9 a.m. Kevin, we got games to talk about. I am intrigued. I say I'm intrigued by all the games. I actually think this is sneaky One of the best matchups on the board, okay, all week long. I think this is a game of two playoff teams, despite the loss of the Indianapolis Colts last week, despite the loss of the Minnesota Vikings last week. It's it's interesting to me, Kev, that one of these teams, when we talk on Monday, is going to be 0-2. Mm-hmm. What do you think holds true more here? Because I was a believer in the Minnesota Vikings defense, especially at home, and they got dumpster trucked by Aaron Rodgers. I was a believer in this Indianapolis Colts, right? And their offensive line and all that stuff. But Marlon Mack goes down. Phillip Rivers still throwing YOLO balls up. So what do you think goes down in this one? Because unless you feel differently, these are two teams that most believed would be playoff teams, and one of them is going to be 0-2 by Monday. Yeah, I was a touch lower on these two than you were. Okay. But I more I more than understood the love. I do think it'll be interesting from what you just said, and that you still believe they're both playoff teams, yet you will be faced with the reality that one of them will be 0-2 on Monday, right? To where it's like, well, now I don't know if I still believe, right? Like, once that kind of comes to fruition. Yeah, whichever one of these on Monday is, are 0-2, I'm going to be like, ah! Yes, you're right. It, I will tell you this, though. I love this game just from the... Like, Phillip Rivers, Colts, ugh, gross performance to start the year. Comes home, has to have it, play the Vikings. Zimmer hates everybody probably in the entire organization after he allowed 43 points in his home building to yeah. start the Zimmer season. Zimmer is not going to be easy to deal with in practice this week. I can only imagine. I think it's an exciting game. I think, like, because yes, right, it, there's something about the NFL. You go through the board, I would say 14 Sunday games, at least yeah. 12 of them. You'll be like, yeah, this is an interesting matchup. This is, though, an absolutely interesting matchup. Yeah. I think, though, I'm going to look for the Dalvin Cook anytime touchdown scorer again. I'd be shocked if he doesn't get into the end zone. Jonathan Taylor, I think, can have a very nice game here. But I think this is a spot where I'm going to be safe. I think the Vikings, up to 10 points on a 7-point teaser, feels excellent. Phillip Rivers exclusively plays in one-score games. Exclusively. So yep. this team, so then if you want to do a six-point teaser and get it up to nine, I think that'll be good as well. But the fact that 10 is there is an option. The interesting thing as well, Dane, right before I just toss it back to you, and you know this, minus three, mm-hmm. minus yep. 125. Yes. They're yes. going to wait before they put this to the hook because it's such a difference maker to put this mm-hmm. to a hook. But if they do, then I might not even have to worry about a teaser as much. This does feel like it could easily be a field goal game either direction. 
Yeah, so we're on the same page on this one, Kevin, because I am currently holding a ticket of Minnesota plus three and a half in this one. That hook Ooh. matters to me. It was three and a half, okay, uh, before. That's why, you know, think about it. Uh, it's minus 125. It came off three and a half down to three minus 125. I got it yesterday when it was three and a half. That hook matters to me. I agree with most everything you said as we welcome in our radio audience from around the country. One question I have for you, though. On this game we know marlon mack went down right in week one he's gone for the year okay i've been hyping up naheem hines as one of the biggest waiver wire ads for fantasy uh managers this week rightfully so a lot of people have do you think this is just like all of a sudden the jonathan taylor show or do you think naheem hines kind of works in as well like you know People are starting to think, oh, my goodness, Jonathan Taylor, give me all the Jonathan Taylor. I still believe that Hines is going to be involved. How do you see that breaking out? Naheem Hines is going to be involved. Jonathan Taylor is the lead back. Jonathan Taylor will get the majority of the carries. And keep in mind, last week, Naheem Hines had less receptions and yards than Jonathan Taylor. Two more targets than him. But now, if you think those Marlon Mack targets might generate into Jonathan Taylor targets, I think people are right to want Jonathan Taylor significantly more than Naheem Hines. Melvin Gordon, Austin Eckler, both were good. Both were fantasy viable last year. Both were guys you could play in the props market on. I think from what I saw in week one, Jonathan Taylor, though, might have a little bit more reliability than Melvin Gordon did on a week-to-week basis last season. Than Marlon Mack did? No, Melvin Gordon, as I'm thinking about what the the Eckler-Gordon kind of analogy. Fair enough. Mm -hmm. Um, The one counter I will say to that, and I agree with most of what you said there, and I do think Jonathan Taylor is the lead back of the Indianapolis Colts. In PPR formats, though, Naheem Hines is going to be imminently valuable. And I will say this, Kev, in week one, Right. When Jonathan Taylor was up to active and when Marlon Mack was still there, they gave Naheem Hines straight up carries inside the five yard line. You know, he had a rushing touchdown for a carry like in between the tackles. So I, I hear you talking about this balance, but they do put Naheem Hines in in situations you don't think about in like that typical thunder lightning only PPR kind of guy. They do use him inside the 10-yard line. They do give him inside carries as well. We don't have much time for Bears, Giants. That's probably okay. We can get whatever you want on the other side of the break. I will say this. What I'm watching for, again, was the Pittsburgh Steelers front seven that dominant or was the Giants offensive line and Saquon Barkley that that poor. I don't think that happens again. Is there room here, Kev, for some value to come back on Saquon, to come back on the Giants offense? I'll ask you that when we come back right here on the early line. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody. Right here on a football Friday on the early line. Dane Martinez and Kevin Walsh covering these games, telling you what to look for, hopefully to make it a little bit more profitable. Kev, do you buy this? Remember, there was such, 
you know, the overreaction. I think there is the potential for a big time overreaction on Saquon Barkley and the Giants offense, right? Everyone saw Bud Dupree in the backfield left and right. Now, could Khalil Mack be in the backfield left and right on Sunday? Yes. But I think that that was more credit to the Steelers defense, who you are seeing. I am very high on that Steelers defense and specifically that front seven. I think we're going to see a different Giants run game, and that might open up more for the Giants offense, similar to what we saw in Cleveland last night. So if anything, I might lean for some positive regression on the Giants side. Yeah, I think that makes sense. I'll tell you the guy that I'm most interested in this game, though, is the one who may or may not have requested a trade, and that's right. Allen Robinson. <laughs> this is a secondary that was taken advantage of by Big Ben True. as that game went along. What does this Allen Robinson performance look like? And these guys get back on the same page. Is the ball forced maybe a little bit to Allen Robinson right. to you know try and ease him in and feel a little bit more comfortable? Or does none of that matter? Because for him, it's not about production. He believes it's already there. And he's more so like, look, another good game for me. Give me my contract or I'm not suiting up. No, I think that is an interesting uh, storyline to follow. And you're right. Um, a lot of times, especially with, and I hate to make this broad term, like, you know, with the wide receiver position, right? Because there's so many divas in the league at that position. The idea of, like, do you have to get them involved early? Do you have to almost, like, placate them with targets early on? So you're right. There could be a force feeding of AR-15, something to keep an eye out on in this one. Kev, we now come to my New York J-E-T-S Jets Jets. Jets who are at least at home, but they are getting a full seven in their home opener against a team coming west to east for a one o'clock game against a team whose best offensive weapon is dealing with a knee strain and didn't do jack in the second half. The Niners are banged up all over the place, but I can't find the reason to take the Jets even with the plus seven at home, Kev. Yeah, after one week, everybody believes the Jets are the worst team in football. And um, uh, yeah, yeah, it's it's hard to disagree. <sighs> I hate this game, though. It, it's another one where it's like, like everything tells you the Niners are going to blow this team. It would not right. surprise me if right. the final score is thirty-one-three, and that might sound super disrespectful, but. It wouldn't surprise me if the Niners go out there for a bully type of performance. Raheem Mostert over a buck 20, two touchdowns. Just, But I don't know if I feel comfortable. I mean, at, there comes a point when you're like, look, man, they're missing their top three yeah. weapons in the past game. There they're missing their point. number one corner. I'm yeah. not laying seven on the road west to east. Now, I'm not going to take seven either. No way. I'm not doing it, okay? I'm not going to bet the Jets, uh, the Jets against the team that went to the Super Bowl last year. But it doesn't mean I got to lay the seven either. I agree with you. Like, there's, there's always the potential for something fishy, right? The muffed punt to happen, you know? San Francisco dominating but fumbling the ball out of the end zone for a touchback for the Jets, right? And it would take some quirky stuff like that. But the home dog spot, the West, the East, that's when these quirky things happen. I'm with you. I could easily see 34 to 6 or something like that. But I don't know if I'm going to bet this game. There may be other places on the board. Remember, Kevin mentioned Richard Sherman down, George Kittle down, some of the other wide receivers down. Remember, San Francisco had to pivot and sign Mohamed Sanu earlier in the week. So we'll see what this offense looks like. This could, though, be also... 
Kev, just like one of those business trips, right? A workman-like effort. They punch him in the mouth, hop in, play conservative, hop in, hop out, and get out with a win without having to go the route. I could see that universe as well. Let's move on to the next game because I think this one is one of those very interesting one, Kev, and I do believe it. The Washington football team that is one and oh, go to Arizona, take on the Cardinals, who are one and oh, right? Kyler Murray, a revelation, you know, proving some people right who think that he will take a step forward this year, potentially into an offensive player of the year kind of candidate. We saw what DeAndre Hopkins did, but we also saw what this front seven for Washington did last week against the Philadelphia Eagles. Now, the Arizona Cardinals are not a, you know, excellent offensive line either that's why Kyla Murray is running for his life a lot how do you think this one plays out can the Washington football team you know hold up defensively against this dynamic Cliff Kingsbury year two offense so I said Dallas was my favorite bet on the board the Cardinals when it was six and a half was my second ah, uh, now up to seven makes it a little bit more interesting of course but at least it's not seven and the hook. I actually thought that people would start back in Washington a little bit more. But uh, people making the right call here. This is the thing. The Washington football team was down 17 nothing at home to the Eagles. And I don't forget that. And I think that this is an Arizona Cardinals team that has the ability to really take advantage of their secondary and, Dane, mm. listen, if we're going to have right an all-world pass rush that I still think to some degree might be a little bit overstated because of the state of the Eagles' offensive line in that game, well, what's okay. the best counter? Kyler Murray, right? A quarterback like that who can move in the pocket. Going to be really interested in his rushing yards prop. He got up to 100 last week. I don't think it would be anywhere near that number, right? But it'll probably be in the 30s maybe 40s, but then you're getting, you know, yeah. start to get near Lamar territory. But right. it's going to be a high number, I think, for Kyler Murray, and I still think he could get over that number. And I think the Cardinals' defense, I mean, listen, they went to San Fran and held that team in check. Very impressive. So I like the Cardinals here. I think they can win this game by 14 or more. Okay. I'm less impressed with the Cardinals' defense than you are. I think it was huge that George Kittle was obviously compromised in the second half. I think that is a huge thing in week one's performance. Well, go ahead. Go ahead. That, but, like, sure. But, like, Logan Thomas is now coming into town. Do you know what I'm, like? Yeah, and? Like, the, so they were still playing a much better football team than the Washington football team in week one, whether George Kittle was compromised or not. Like, 50% of George Kittle, like, you cut Logan Thomas tomorrow for that production. Right, but what I'm just saying is, like, they, they were able to play it differently. I, like, because I think it was obvious that he wasn't going to be George Kittle. I mean, it's a small point. We could we should move on. I do believe that they were – in the same way you think that the Washington pass rush isn't – as good as or get as much credit right i'm just saying the same mm -hmm. thing about the arizona defense right and we'll see a, a big piece of this nfl week two for me is can they do it again right can the pittsburgh steelers front seven do it again can the washington front seven do it again will the giants o-line look like that again right so there's a lot of things and remember this front washington front seven did get chase young in the offseason so there's reasons to believe that maybe they could 
take this step forward. I do think you're right. The Kyler Murray prop market is going to be something very interesting moving forward. Like how long will it take for them to adjust and how far do they do it? Remember when we're talking about Minnesota and Indy, one of those teams is going to be 0-2. Kev, one of these teams is going to be 2-0. and And it is possible, you know, if I – listen, Arizona – could be 2-0 and here. They are favored to do so, right? I mean, Seattle has a tough game on Sunday night, which we will talk about. The Niners may wind up 1-1. One and one. The Rams have a tough game. You think they may go down on the road this week. There's a universe where the Cardinals are alone at 2-0. and There's a universe where the Washington football team is alone at 2-0. and Is the hook really matters for you in this game? Because I don't know if you're going to get it. Now at 7, it's minus 110 on both sides. It's just you feel a lot more comfortable with it. I, I think there's a couple of spots that we've identified as some good teaser spots. This still fits the description. Mm. The one thing I will toss back to you, though, is because usually, Dan, at least to start the year, you're an unders kind of guy. But... If you believe that you weren't overly impressed by Arizona, but you think that they can go out there and put up some points here, and over for Dane Martinez in week two, could it be? Um, not necessarily. Not necessarily. Not necessarily. Yeah. It's a pass. It's a pass. There are some overs on the board. I like that Dallas-Atlanta over. Um, I think points will be scored in that one. There are some overs that I like on the slate. I'll try and find some other ones for you as we keep Coming up against the break right here, we will be back for more early line, getting into some big games between big quarterbacks, Watson, Mahomes, Lamar, on the other side of this quick break for the early line. Come on back. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Hello, I'm Dr. David Chow, a.k.a. Pro Football Doc. I spent 17 years on an NFL sideline with the Chargers as a head team position, and I can tell you teams don't want to tell you the whole story. That's where I come in. I know what they're trying to tell you and trying not to tell you. I know how to assess injuries and how it will impact players and teams that week. Come check out ProFootballDoc.com. You can't make a bet or set a fantasy lineup without coming to consult with us at ProFootballDoc. Back right here on the Great. This is the early line. I am Kevin Walsh. Going to be joined by Dan Martinez, getting him situated as we are continuing to roll through the action that we will be getting on this week to board. Three more Sunday games left for us, and we got to continue to push forward as we break it down. The next game up for us, the Baltimore Ravens traveling to Houston, and they're laying seven points. A big total here of 50 put up on the board. This is an interesting spot. This number has continued to climb for the Baltimore Ravens. And I have to wonder how much the Texans having an extended rest advantage this early into the year, more importantly, extended prep time on their side is being factored by teams. Now, the Ravens went out there in week one and looked excellent. But they always look excellent in week one. So I would be cautious in assuming that they are just going to go out there and route, route, route. Last year, week one, 59 to 10, that team beat the Dolphins week one. They responded week two by hosting the Arizona Cardinals, laying close to two touchdowns 
and only winning the game by six. Deshaun Watson is a tricky dog, and that is not somebody that I would be over the moon about laying seven in his building against. So I look at this spot as Texans are passed, and that is something I say, though, admittedly, without a ton of confidence because of what happened when these two teams met up last year. You take a look at that game, 41-7 to in Baltimore, albeit, but still 41-7 to routed that team. Lamar Jackson, 17 of 24, 222 yards and four touchdowns. He looked excellent. And if I do play this Houston Texans team getting the seven, the way I will set myself up on the other side is by backing Lamar Jackson in the props market. And if, by the way, the Texans can keep this within seven, we might get a monster Lamar Jackson performance because that means he would stop finally treating NFL games like he was the starting quarterback at Alabama, meaning he doesn't play in the second half or he's not throwing in the second half. He's never playing in the fourth quarter. I think this game could be tighter. I think the spread could matter here. I actually wouldn't be super shocked to see the Texans win the game. I like them getting the seven if I'm going to play a side, but back it up with Lamar Jackson props. Passing plus rushing yards over if it's one and a half touchdown passes. It very well could be two and a half touchdown passes. Those are the markets I think you're going to want to play in. Also, Will Fuller and Marquise Brown, Hollywood Brown, of course, uh, they're over receiving yards. If these guys are the number one receivers, they're so explosive. They both feel like guys that can frequently touch the 100-yard mark, and both of them did just that in week number one, and I wouldn't be surprised if they were able to do it again. Let's keep pushing here because I want to make sure we hit all of these games. The Chiefs and the Chargers. Now, this is a game where it is hard not to watch Thursday night football and come away liking the Kansas City Chiefs a lot more. We talk about week one overreactions, but what am I supposed to do when now I have a week two overreaction and it is still week two? The Bengals went out there and put up 30 points on the Browns. And that's great. But more importantly is they gave up 35 points to the Cleveland Browns. That defense got gashed. That defense got taken advantage of. And now the Chargers, we know, weren't to do the same. Maybe the travel messed them up. Maybe that's the case here. But if this Chargers team is going to struggle to score against the Bengals, what are they going to do against the Kansas City Chiefs, who definitely have a better team on the defensive side of the ball? And that's not even before we get into the fact that Pat Mahomes has the ability alongside Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire to go out there and put up monster numbers. The Chiefs will be a darling for a lot of people for teasers. Six-point teasers dropping this below three down to two and a half is going to be tough to ignore. And it is something that I am going to be invested in. The, the one thing that I'm trying to do a decent job with this year, if possible, is not laying or not jumping on the teaser that is the popular teaser. I just did it so often last year, and it cost me so consistently that I am hoping 
that won't be the case this go around. This Chiefs team will be a popular tease option, but I think they should be the correct tease option here. And I also think that they can cover the eight and a half. I, I mean, look, let's just even go to the, the spread here for team total points, 28 and a half. Is anybody really going to be stopping this team from scoring 30? I'm not sure. And I think that under 20 and a half might still be showing a little bit of value for the Kansas City Chiefs. Also another game where we're going to probably have to be taking a look at the Clyde Edwards-Alaire props uh, because the Chiefs are up by a lot. Then the carries will be there for this guy and he will have the opportunity to continue to put up production for this team. One more game on the slate, and this is game of the week, rightful Sunday night option. It's the most interesting game on the board to me in every single way imaginable. We are talking about the Seattle Seahawks hosting the New England Patriots. Let's just get this out of the way. It's another great teaser game. And I don't know if you guys enjoy teasers as much as I do. And if you don't, I apologize for continually forcing them upon you. But the Pats getting 11 is going to be hard to pass for me. But as we bring Dane Martinez back in, and Dane will probably have to get your Texans, Ravens, and Chiefs Chargers takes in our final segment of the show. Fair we'll make sure we get those. But let's roll Seahawks Pats here while we still can and give it its full breath because I think it's one of the most interesting games on the board. I think it's the most interesting game on the board. Uh, so I hear you. I'm slightly, as we said before, more intrigued by Minnesota, Indianapolis. But thanks for holding it down. We are back here as we put the fun and functional sports content in this one. I, it's I want to see what this offense with Cam looks like. I want to see what this Seahawks offense looks like, because here's the thing for me with the Seahawks offense for years, Kev. They were a run-heavy team, even with Russell Wilson at the controls. And I feel like that may be shifting a bit this year. They got DK Metcalf. They got Tyler Lockett that they like. They're eventually going to have Josh Gordon as well, right? Chris Carson did work in the past game. What I'm very intrigued by, and I agree with you, it's an interesting game, is are the Seahawks becoming less run dependent because if that is the case that is something i will hang my hat on moving forward when you know analyzing the seahawks team for the rest of the season so that's what i'm going to be very interested in and then unfortunately kev you know the other thing i'm interested in the air quality in seattle the mariners had a game postponed this week because of the air quality, right? And we saw this in the NFL Week 1 in San Francisco. And this is like a Sunday night game. So for fantasy managers, I'm just putting that on the radar. I am a little bit concerned about that as well in this one. Yeah, I think that that's totally fair. Here's my thing with Seattle. I believe that what they did in Week 1 is the recipe for that team to deliver is. on what a lot of people think could be. Yep the opportunity for them to not only win their division, but win the NFC. Yep. I don't trust them to do that, though. Mm. Pete Carroll, right after, the best this offense has looked in years, yeah. is like, unacceptable for Carlos Hyde and uh, Chris Carson to be getting six and seven carries, respectively. Right. Like, oh, no. And now he's coming right. up against a New England team known for their secondary. I worry he's going to be looking to establish the run, establish the run, mm -hmm. establish the run. And I think this could be another spot, Dane, where we actually see the spread matter. And this is a tight spread, but tight Seattle spread by three. Matter, yeah. Seattle by three wouldn't surprise me in the slightest. Honestly, 
you look at this New England team, though, and I still think they can be live here. The question becomes, and it's something that you and I have, you know, talked about a lot here. We don't have the answers, but, you know, asking the questions is still valuable. How much of week one was exactly what they want to be? Yep. How much of yep. week one was them holding back a yes. little bit before fully unleashing everything that they've been putting in with Cam Newton as this new quarterback? Um, I think that's what we're going to see in New England. Uh, did they have to break out all the bells and whistles? No, but quite frankly, and I've always said this, you don't have Cam Newton on a one-year contract and then not use what like is his value, right? And that's adding that extra element in the offense. We talked about having the valve or the element of the offense. They're going to continue to use it, and I think that's what Josh McDaniels and Bill Belichick are so excited by. I do think the Seahawks point that I mentioned, that you mentioned, is the big one right especially as it relates to was week one the anomaly or not that's what we're looking for here kev in the nfl right for years people have said that give russell wilson the reins trust him with it kev you know i'm high on the seahawks remember i have them in the nfc championship game this year i tell you i think russell wilson could be his mvp year right again if they go back to the run, just like you said, that would give me cause for pause. Who is this Seahawks offense? I think we get a little bit more of an answer this week on Sunday Night Football. Yeah, no, I totally agree. If they come out there and it shows pass, 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 Again, pass, right. then that's enough evidence for me to say that that's what they want to do. Because this is the and Patriots that might be the case, team. Kev. Right? Because now they have DK Metcalf. Now they're going to bring it, you know, like, and maybe they're now more equipped to do it. And they it's do been true, though. Way. They, they should have been doing this. They should have been doing this. So the thing is, though, this is a defense that it's so easy to see Pete Carroll not wanting to do it against. I don't want to try. I don't want to test Stefan Gilmore. So True. I just think it is super interesting. I think it's a great Sunday night football game. And I will also say this. I think side and total are correlated. You like Seattle, you play it over. You like New England, you play it under. Yeah, I can get with that. I'll be intrigued to see what you thought about the Baltimore Ravens and the Kansas City Chiefs as well. Are they strong enough to take on all the home dog stuff, all the jitters in week one stuff? Are they just a class above? We'll turn our attention to Kevin's basketball when we come back. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Right here on to the early line on SportsGrid. Dane Martinez and Kevin Walsh holding it down for you bright and early in the morning and putting the fun and functional sports content. Kevin, it is a football Friday, but I know you have your glow about the NBA, and we're pretty far down in the playoffs, so these games do deserve billing, both what we saw last night and what we expect to see tonight. Let's start with what we saw last night, game two of the Eastern Conference Finals, the Miami Heat. Kevin, they do it again. They come back from a Big 
lead that the Celtics had accumulated early on, and they get the job done 106 to 101. What do you think about it in this game? Because when I look, it was not necessarily, unless I'm wrong, like Jimmy Butler as the closer. You know what I mean? I mean, we saw 21 out of, out of bio. Gordon Drogic with another good game. I think he's being kind of under-respected, you know, because he moved to the bench as part of this Heat season. But now he is really, you know, kind of that stabilizing force with the Heat. What do you think were the biggest pieces of this one? Because for me, it's that the Celtics blew another double-digit lead. I mean, if I would have told you that the Celtics were playing just like the Clippers in the postseason, <laughs> you would think that that would be a good thing. And yet it's right. a terrible thing. This team blew a 17-point lead. It's unacceptable what this team just did. And the post-game reports of Marcus Smart throwing chairs and maybe semi ogilate throwing medicine balls and uh, Gary Washburn, who covers this Boston Celtics team, saying it's as raucous a post-game locker room as he's ever mm. heard. Does that bode well for this team? I don't know. Because the thing is, it's not like they just blew this game. They should absolutely be sat there saying to themselves, we should be up 2-0. And it's the other way. And you're playing a Miami team that is not going to make things easy on you and has the ability, though, to go out there and maybe play a full game at some point. I don't (laughs) know. Maybe. You would like to think that that's in them somewhere. Uh, It's just bizarre that that team can have the weaponry that they have on the offensive side of the ball and score 41 second-half points, and just be left absolutely hopeless. They turned the ball over 20 times. 20 times. Tatum and Kemba turned it over more than the entire Miami Heat team. Than the entire team. They're two superstars. It just has to be better. And Brad Stevens is a coach that divides people, I think. He's a Mm. good coach. No doubt about it. Actually. A lot of people want Brad Stevens and have wanted Brad Stevens to be the best coach in the league. Right, right, right. To be bet- the to, wonder kid. To unseat yeah. Greg Popovich. And here's the thing. He keeps getting to the conference finals. This is his third time being there. And year after year, the Celtics fans will hit you with, ah, they don't belong there anyway. Right? Ah, they don't belong there anyway. Now, the first go-around, when they lost by the widest margin I think a team's ever lost a home game in in the conference final to the LeBron Cavs. Okay, don't get embarrassed, but all right, fine, we'll move past that one. The series that they were up 3-2 on LeBron and Jeff Green, and yes, mm-hmm. literally, Jeff Green was the second-best player for that Cavs team in that series, and they lost. Ah, okay, fine, I'll give you a pass. It's LeBron's greatest player of all time. All right, Brad, it's fine. It is what it is. Now, favorites? In the series, up 12 going into the fourth, lose the game, up 17 in the game against the Miami Heat, and are now down 2-0. Got questions. Got questions. Happening a little too often right now. I believe the stat is this team's not won a third quarter the last two series in a row now. I mean, they just have to be better. Point blank. They lost the third quarter, 37-17. Might as well not even roll the ball out there for the fourth quarter. And the wildest thing is they took a lead in the fourth quarter. Yep. And they still couldn't keep the momentum on their side. Miserable performance so, from Boston. So let me ask you this, because you're saying you got a lot of questions. Let's try to figure out what might the answers be. 
Kev, you know, because here's what I can also say back. They're doing something right in the first half, right? Because they have some kind of offensive explosion. There were times yesterday when Kemba looked like, you know, a really important piece of that offense. We talked about the adjustments that coaches would make. Remember, we talked about how they were running together, Spolstra and Stevens. We talked about the adjustments. And what do you know? Enos Cantor on the floor playing important minutes and looking decent in the second quarter, right? So I will throw it back to you because I do believe, I'm not trying to say greatest of all time, I believe Brad Stevens is a good coach. I believe Eric mm-hmm. Spolstra is a good coach. I think you are right to say there are now questions facing the Boston Celtics. Kev, you are plugged into defense. You are plugged into NBA and schemes and what teams try to do. I remember when we talked about the Houston Rockets shooting threes and that sort of thing. Be Brad Stevens. What are the answers to the questions the Miami Heat are posing? I mean, the fact of the matter is the Heat went into a zone and the Celtics basically melted. And I mean... Twitter was ablaze. They're like, you can't beat Syracuse? Are you kidding me? (laughs) Like, where is the offense? And they just have players that are far too talented to – because this is the thing, Dane. They shot 50% from the field. Like I went through it and I'm like, where are the the bad games? And the the efficiency was there. Yeah. So, Kev, and I know you're you're like, get this team off my screen and stuff. And I hear you, but like you also said Boston – could be 2-0, right? And I'm not trying to say yes, victories or anything like that. You know, I'm not trying to say, uh, boom, they're yeah. going to snap back. But <sighs> do you think I'm crazy to say, like, both of these games, ultimately, regardless how they got there, were sort of coin flips, like, with three minutes left to go, right? And so if, that, right. if that's the case, and maybe you don't believe it, like, is there really adjustments that have to be made? Or can a Bam Adebayo block not happen in game one, right? Could the ball bounce a little bit different way? And do they, much like you didn't like Doc Rivers and Mike Budenholz are doing like, hey, let's just do what we got here with. Could Brad Stevens and the Celtics like not jump ship and realize these are really close games and let's just keep the grinding? Yeah, but here's the thing, right? Fool me once, fool me twice. Okay. You got to be careful here, though. because And I get what you're saying, yes. Because the, the this is a close is series still, in my opinion, right? Like, this is still a nip sure. and tuck, we had, we like, had a, punch you a in the mouth kind overtime. of thing. Yeah. We had a game that went to overtime, and then we had a game here where the Heat only won the game by five points. But Dane, they keep getting blown out yes. in yeah, specific yes. quarters. Yes, and that is that's, that's now a thing that, that they're doing consistently. So and the series can be close, which it is. These are two tightly contested teams, and Boston are favored to win in the next game. But it can still be a big point of concern that in Game 3, this team can get up 20. The Heat hit two threes from Duncan Robinson. They Celtics call a timeout, and they start looking around. And when Brad Stevens goes, it's all right, it's all right, we're fine, and nobody believes him. And nobody starts to believe in themselves. And all Miami does is like, yeah, we got these guys right where we want them. Right. I, I hear you. I I, uh, I ask it to you more to be like, is it like really a X's and O's scheme kind of adjustment or a damn well, motivational yes, from the from the zone perspective? You know what I mean, okay, it, it is enough. an X's and O's. When when he throws a zone out there and you score seventeen points in a quarter, yeah, uh, I might All call right, three so timeouts in a row. What the adjustment is to that, yeah, right? Because I, I, I do believe fundamentally still that this is a close series. That these teams are still 
I think it's still a good matchup. And yeah, Miami's up 2-0, but I wouldn't be surprised, you know, to see three-point games the rest of the way out. You know what I mean? So I'm still intrigued to see how this one will shake. All right, let's keep it moving, yeah, though, because, Kev, we're finishing the week on a uh, on a cap that I know you would like to give. If you've been watching the early line, hell, if you've been watching Sports Grid, you know the way Kevin Walsh feels about this team. You know the way Kevin Walsh likely believes this game and this series will go. So I'm not going to even try to, you know, phrase it any other way. Here's the way I want to ask you, Kev, okay? Mm-hmm. Do the Denver Nuggets present challenges that the Lakers have not yet had to confront yet in this playoffs? And I'll ask you it because in the first round, right, Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum, sure. Harden and Westbrook, sure. They are now seeing, and you were like, ah, no one can stop LeBron or whatever, right? Is this a little different? They're now seeing the All-NBA center who's on one, right? Um, the Nuggets mm-hmm. are, I believe correct me if I'm wrong, built a little differently than Houston and Portland were, okay? So my question for you, and it's open-ended, I'm not advocating for it, like, what do the Lakers do with a different type of matchup, a different type of team, and do, like the Nuggets, have the bodies? Are they a different matchup and thus a little bit more dangerous than the previous opponents? So they're obviously much different than Houston, who don't actually have a center. Portland, now, Nikola Jokic is comfortably the best big that they've played in the postseason, right? Because the only way that would be different is if they somehow played Anthony Davis. Um, But Nurkic was a big part of what Portland was trying to do, so they've dealt with a big in that regard. But you dismissed those bigs, Kev. In the first round, you dismissed them. You're like, ah, fine, wide side, never. Uh, Nurkic, they can't stop. You know, like, you were, you didn't give them much credence. You have to give Nurkic, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Nikola Jokic is fantastic. Like, top 10 player in the league. When we, I've, I've been uh, texting with Martino about this. I'm very excited to kind of re rank the top 25 players in the yeah, league. I hear you. Postseason finishes. I hear you. And Jokic is going to get himself in the top 10. I'm excited to see where you're Yeah, boys and Murray's going to be a lot higher also, right? Absolutely. With that being said, these teams have played four times, okay? Okay. Three and one for the Lakers. Okay. The one loss in LA, LeBron didn't play. We can throw that out. The third win for the Lakers was in the bubble. The Ah. Nuggets kept it tight with them for the whole game. Then they pulled their starters in the fourth quarter. The Lakers kept their Mm -hmm. in. Walk off Kuzma three. I'm cool throwing that out. I remember that game. The other two wins in Denver. Hard place to win. And the Lakers Mm -hmm. still got the job done. This is, and and I, I don't know if this will land for people, but it's the only way I can describe it. The way I feel about the series is how I felt about Miami-Milwaukee. It's not a disrespect to Denver. It's a bad matchup. They, they, mm. they desperately needed someone to Why? do their bidding for them. The verdict of Anthony wow. Davis, JaVale McGee, Dwight Howard is a problem. Okay. And unfortunately for Nikola Jokic, where they've had, I mean, you, you, know, you take a look at, at what he's able to, to, to do as a big, right? But we saw this. When he lost his Rudy Gobert minutes, this team stood no chance. And he is playing a much better player than Rudy Gobert in Anthony Davis. 
And I will tell you, though, my favorite bet. And I, look, I like the Lakers in this series. I think this can be competitive. Right. It would be a okay. fool's errand to write off the Denver Nuggets at any point. And that's why I'm not doing this in, in the – and I – like. I speak about the Clippers disrespectfully because they deserve. Yeah, you are respecting Denver. I see it. I, I am giving Denver, but my absolute, I think, favorite play for game number one. And honestly, I've been having a tough, tough go at it these last couple of NBA bets. Even though the, the caps and the analysis is there, but what actually physically gets the money on it? There's yeah. just been a couple of gut punches there for me. Lost a live total yesterday in Boston, Miami. LeBron James over eight and a half assists. He now is going to have, this is a number that's been coming down. It was mm. a matter of what they were doing against Houston. He went over this numbers in both meetings that were kind of factoring in, if you will, right, between the two teams that were in Denver with 9 and 12 in those respective games. I think we might be getting value here on LeBron James' assists. That's interesting. And, you know, I buy that narrative also with the idea of the great playmaker, the great talent, right? How what they do early on, especially in series, is look to get everybody involved, right? If they need him in the fourth, he could do that, right? But especially yeah. early, yeah, I can see him trying to get Kuzma involved, right? Trying to get others feeling their flow. Because remember, they haven't played in six days, Kevin. I think that's another piece of it as well. Yeah. We'll come back and close out this episode of The Early Line up next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Hey, welcome back in, everybody, right here to the early line, finishing up a football Friday. And so we let the Kev, we let Kevin say, you know, he thinks the Lakers will advance to the NBA Finals. But it's a football Friday, Kev. And, you know, you were talking about two teams when, unfortunately, I wasn't with you, the Chiefs and the Ravens. And if you've been listening all morning long, my big thesis is like, what can we hang our hat on? What was real in week one, right? And we're going to learn a lot, whether it's the Philly offensive line, the Giants run game, how the Seahawks want to play, right? I think we're going to learn a lot. For me, with the Ravens and mm -hmm. the Chiefs, who both go on the road, right, and are laying something like a touchdown or more, the question for me is, are they truly just head and shoulders above the rest of the league? You know, everyone thinks that they're runaway yeah. favorites, right? They're the two top choices. If they are... Then I don't care if they're, you know, road favorites. I don't care if they're on the road mm -hmm. and all that stuff. Then they are actually good enough to throw all that out the window and ride with them. And I think these are cases where that theory will be tested, right? Because if they go into Houston or the new stadium or whatever, maybe less so for the Chargers because you don't think they're as strong. But if they come in there and announce themselves and are like, yep, we are that good, then I think it's mm -hmm. something we're going to be very excited of because you know what? They play each other in week three. That's absolutely true. Let me just say this. We spent the whole show, maybe didn't find a gentleman's bet. The number's yeah, not up? posted. But ah. the one thing that you and I have disagreed on step-by-step, step, evidently, and will probably continue to do so, what's what up? is the number for Clyde Edwards-Hilaire that makes under. you play under rushing yards? What's the number? What be? is the number that would make me go under? Mm-hmm. 
It has to start with a seven, I think. And it's going to be like, really interesting to see what that number was. I'll just say because it was fifty-five and a half in week one. Right. And it's going to go up. Book, right. It, it has to go up. Is yeah, the book going to saying. say here's twenty yards? Right. Right. Because remember, it is a thing for me, right? Do we hang our hat on it? And we're talking about how defenses play and things of that nature. We will see if all of a sudden the Chargers, you know, try to focus on him a little bit more. Will he be able to do the same thing? Remember, Patty Mahomes threw for like 211 in that game. Mm -hmm. We'll see if that continues, that balance as well. We'll talk about it on Monday. I am sure. But yeah, I think both of those teams are good enough to... uh, Forget good all teams. the other trends. We'll see. Yeah, they're pretty good. We'll see what happens uh, after week two. We'll do all the debate, all the debrief on Monday's edition of the Early Line. Have a great weekend, everybody. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.